0: He drew a circle that shut me out, heretic, rebel, a thing to flout. But love and I had the wit to win. We drew a circle that took him in. These lines by poet Edwin Markham are often quoted. And most times that I hear them, I simply quietly affirm the positive, universalist approach to life captured in a pleasingly memorable rhyme. But as I prepared for today's service and began to explore our theme for February, widening the circle, some questions came to mind, some wonderings. I mean, here are two people, each drawing a circle, One calling on love to help him out, but two people, each with their own circles. Now, if we accept the fact that drawing circles is part of our human activity, part of human nature, and I think that case could be made, then we need to multiply by the number of people in the world and imagine the number of circles being drawn, not even allowing for the fact that each person may draw new and different circles over time so that we would need to allot more than one circle for each person. Wow, circles everywhere. Even if I carefully followed the precisely curving lines of each one as best I could, I may easily lose track of one circle when the line of another overlaps, and then to figure out which circle is which and what is whose. Think of all the circles. So then, when I read the theme for the month, Widening the Circle... I had to ask which circle are we talking about? Which circle is the circle? And I realize this may seem like I'm being extremely nitpicky and may sound like I'm missing the point entirely, which is always the possibility. But I think it's important precisely because I do think that we as humans are drawing circles all the time. Circles of kinship, circles of friendship, circles of community, circles of concern. We're drawing circles all the time and it is helpful to have a reference point as we draw those circles. A reference point that draws us into a circle with all of life. Widening the circle makes it sound like we have power over the circle. And in all cases, the question becomes, who is the we? Whose circle is this? And so it is helpful to have as a reference point that wider circle which we do not control. That circle, indeed, of which we are but a small part. This is how Black Elk described what he called the whole hoop of the world. And I saw that the sacred hoop of my people was one of many hoops and made one circle wide as daylight and as starlight. And in the center grew one mighty flowering tree to shelter all the children of one mother and one father. And I saw that it was holy. This is how Lao Tse described what he called the fullness of life. The fullness of life, since fullness implies widening into space, implies still further widening, implies widening until the circle is whole. People rounding the way of earth, earth rounding the way of heaven, heaven rounding the way of life till the circle is full. We are called to widen the circles with those whose lines we have some control over. We are called to draw our circles wide to more nearly emulate those circles we have not drawn, but which have drawn us into to a wider circle than we can even clearly imagine or articulate Black Elk said, while I stood there, I saw more than I can tell, and I understood more than I saw. I love that one. I saw more than I can tell, and I understood more than I saw. For I was seen in a sacred manner the shapes of all things in the spirit and the shape of all shapes as they must live together like one being. We know the circle, the circle, is wider than we can perfectly replicate. So we have no choice being the circle-drawing creatures that we are. We have no choice if we are even to approximate that wider, living, breathing circle which we know exists. We have no choice but to leave our circles open in defiance of geometrical precision, in defiance of perfectionism, in defiance of a closed system, and in humble recognition of our inability to ever get this just. Just right. We have no choice whether we draw our circles wide or long or big or small to leave our circles open to allow entry, to emulate the enso of Zen tradition, acknowledging and celebrating the imperfection of each circle, knowing that in Hazleton's words, the beauty lies precisely or more precisely, imprecisely, In its imperfection. That is what speaks to us and draws us in. A perfect circle is uninteresting. A closed system containing nothing. While an imperfect one vibrates with warmth. It invites us into the moment of creation. It is open, human, fallible. An expression that is of soul. And it feels just right for me to be reflecting on all this during what is known as Evolution Weekend, the weekend closest to the anniversary of the birth of Charles Darwin on February 12th. Evolution Weekend, instituted by Michael Zimmerman, of the Clergy Letter Project, to inspire congregations to challenge the popular assumption that science and religion can never be compatible, to refute the notion that there must be a natural enmity between them. Now, I was raised to be somewhat suspicious of science, and most especially the teaching of evolution, which was associated with humanism, I was raised certainly to be suspicious indeed to reject humanism, humanism which we raised up earlier as a source of our tradition. I was told that the problem with humanism was that it raised humans to the place of God. It was a selfish, self-absorbed philosophy lacking in humility with no sense of the bigger, mysterious nature of existence. And in all fairness, it can be that. Just as every other religion and ethical tradition can lead to a perversion of the tenets it professes if it is not balanced with deep and honest reflection and an openness to other perspectives. But my experience of learning about evolution proved to be something quite different from what I was led to expect by my upbringing. Indeed, it resulted in what might be called a religious experience. There I was in my anthropology class at Pima Community College in Tucson, Arizona, when I was, for the first time at age 36, ushered into a clear description of the theory of evolution by natural selection that Darwin put forth. I may have heard bits and pieces before, but this time I was actually paying attention the story of adaptation, almost infinitely small changes building one upon another over time to create the amazing diversity of life, the recognition that we humans were inextricably linked to all of life and that we were, in the words of the professor, a very recent evolutionary experiment and the results were not in yet the mind-blowing awareness that all of life did indeed arise from a single source, not in some theologically abstract terms, but in the carefully gathered evidence of the scientific method. The looking over the edge of the cliff realization that all of this was decidedly not all about us, as ironically I had gathered from my religious upbringing, That the circle was much bigger than I had ever before imagined and the slowly building awe that came when I stopped looking over the edge of the cliff and instead looked out at the view. The humility and gratitude that came with knowing, no, it is not all about us. It is way too big and too awesome and too intricate and too complex and too simple all at once to just be about us. But what an honor. What a miracle to be included, to be a part of this interdependent web of all life, stretching from the distant past beyond that which we can trace to the distant, unfathomable future. All of this built up in me to something that felt like love. Love for what is mortal. Love for distant ancestors leaving footprints in volcanic ash. Love for all creatures who lived and died in one almost infinitesimally small point on the evolutionary timeline that graced the classroom wall. Love for myself and all humans who strove to try and understand all of this. And love for that person who first brought us this glimpse into life itself, who had followed the evidence, who had taken the time to observe and not assume, who had listened to life speaking and transcribed the conversation for future generations. Love for Darwin. Love drew a circle that took me in. The circle is wide. The only circles we need to widen are the ones we draw, those arbitrary, shifting, imperfect circles of our own creation, those circles of community and kinship and congregation and concern, not only widen but open the circles because even our most sincere attempts at inclusion can only be a pale approximation of that vision of the whole hoop of the world, the fullness of life, ever widening until the circle is full. What an honor, what a miracle to be included, to be a part of this interdependent web of all life stretching from the distant past, beyond that which we can trace to the distant, unfathomable future. And I am grateful today for this circle of Unitarian Universalism in which we gather. Grateful because, at our best, we strive to keep this circle open. One of the great strengths of our living tradition, a legacy from our Unitarian Ancestors are universalist, ancestors are transcendentalist, ancestors are humanist, ancestors and countless uncategorized others is the value we place upon new and greater understanding. We strive to understand ourselves and our earthly home. We do persistently, consistently, joyously, courageously, wherever it leads, we are at our best open to deeper and wider understanding of ourselves and this world that we share. We do not place faith in an unchanging creed so that we can explicitly leave ourselves open to new discoveries. We do not place our faith in the literal truth of the scripture so that we can let the wisdom of the ages speak to us in context with new understandings. We intentionally leave our articulations of values and mission and covenant open to change, which is what the Article 2 Commission is in the midst of exploring. The statements of purpose and principles and sources, we leave them open to change because we know that we can only ever imperfectly articulate the wider, deeper truth that we are called to do so as best we can, opening the circle to voices we have neglected to hear, opening the circle to challenges to comfort and complacency, opening the circle to perspectives that have gone too long unheard. And frankly, we have done better with leaving that circle open in the realm of ideas and understandings And not done quite as well as practicing, at practicing what it means to truly widen, deepen, and open this circle. But it is beginning to happen now. And we have the opportunity to participate. We widen our circles, emulating as near as we can get that sacred hoop of life, that fullness of life. We make sure our circles are open, human, fallible, an expression that is of soul. At our best, we let love draw the circles that take us all in.